Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Best Seller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with author Anthony Anarino. He is the author of Eat Their Lunch, Winning Customers Away from Your Competition. It's great to have you with us, Anthony. Thank you for having me. Well, congratulations. This is your third book over the course of three years. Right. Wow, you've been busy. I have been busy. That's right. <laughs> and you and you told me you're in the process of writing your fourth and your fifth. That's correct. So do all the books connect? Do the first three connect the, to each other? The first three connect to each other. Okay. So the first one was called The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need, Right. which is sort of an unfortunate first title if you already have a second book in the works. <laughs> That's true. Because everybody started to say, my friends started to say, so what's that book called? The only other sales exactly. guide you'll ever need. Right. And I really mean it this time. Right. So they were both sales books. Sort <laughs> They're of. both sales books. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the second book was called The Lost Art of Closing. And the first book is what we call a competency model. It's yeah. about your mindset and your skill set and who you have to be. Because if you want to make selling easy, you have to be somebody that people want to buy from. So right. that, that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is called The Lost Art of Closing. And that book is about how do you help people make the commitments that they need to make so that they can get the results that they want. Because clients are tricky. Mm. They'll try not to make the commitments that they need to make and skip steps. Right. And so you have to control the process. Okay. So tell us where uh, the meal comes in, eating lunch. You're, this is talking about taking customers away from your competition, which is a, a tricky thing, I would imagine. It's really tricky because we have relationships. And I know these people, and I chose them, and I've worked with them for a long time. And now you show up telling me I have to change and do something different. Right. And that means I have to fire these people and hire you. Right. And so it's emotional in part. And I kind of like the way that we're doing things now. Why do I have to change? So it's a very, very difficult thing to execute. For sure. So I'd imagine this is based on experience. Tell everybody a little bit about your so, background in terms of the genesis of these ideas and, and what may, you know, why you felt compelled to write about it. It's mostly the only thing that I know. So <laughs> okay. competitive displacement, well, taking large uh, customers away from my largest competitors is all I've ever done. So wow. I started selling when I was about 19 in the family business temporary staffing. Okay. And I didn't even know I was selling. I thought I was out trying to help people. And so I was really good at it while I was trying to help people. But then I moved to Los Angeles. I was playing music at night. And I had a manager who came to me and said, I want you to cut your hair and go into full-time outside sales. Mm. That's what he said to me. But what I heard was different. What I heard was, I want you to cut your hair and become a psychopathic axe murderer and go on a killing spree. Because that's what you associated sales with? Of course. Like self-oriented, pushy, manipulative Mm -hmm. people. And he said, well, how how do you do this? if you're not doing all those things. And I'm like, I don't know, but I don't want to be a salesperson. Yeah. He forced me into outside sales and uh, told me he would fire me and send me back to Columbus, Ohio, if I didn't do the work. So I ended up in outside sales and I became a horrible salesperson for about 60 days. Uh I literally tried to get people to do things that I wanted them to do. 
And that took about 60 days to get over. And then I started to understand that selling isn't something that you do to someone. It's something you're doing for them and with them to help them get a result that they can't get without you. So honestly, when you, know, when you talk about winning customers away from your competition, winning is a very specific word because I would imagine, you know, this idea of taking, you know, customers away from your competition. I would imagine it's a cutthroat <laughs> kind of process because you say winning, but is it really taking and you're putting a, a, a positive <laughs> spin on it by saying winning? I mean, what exactly do you mean by that? Because at the end of the day, it's taking and when you look at the work cover, away from your competition and you look at the cover and there's a hand taking the brown yes. paper bag of lunch. So it does look like it's taking it away. It is a takeaway. Right. We are taking it, but we are, we have to win them. We have to win their hearts and minds. So we, we have to take that away, but it's not cutthroat. Okay. So here's the thing. A lot of salespeople want to make competition about, well, their price is lower or they're going to give somebody a kickback or do all these kinds of things. There's nothing you can ever do about your competitor. Mm. They're going to do whatever they do. Right. You have no influence over them. They have no influence over you. So this book is about how do you create greater value? Right. So how do I become more strategic? How do I help somebody think better and make better decisions about how they run their business? Okay. That's how you win. You win by being better yourself. Right. Because you say don't focus on the competition, which is sort of what you just mentioned. Yeah. It's how you play the game. So let's talk about playing that game. The book kind of delves into establishing those relationships, right? Because if I'm someone who's trying to win customers away, yeah. I need a game plan, right? It's easier. Okay, great. How do, I, how do I actually do that, Anthony? You know, What is the first step? And that's why I wrote this book because nobody's yeah. ever listed the steps out. So the first step is I've got to get mindshare. I've got to have somebody that will engage with me that I can share new ideas with so that I can show them there's a gap between where they are right now and where they want to be. Okay. How, and how do you identify that gap? Well, you have a whole bunch of things. So you can go out and you can study and look, which most salespeople don't do. So I'll tell okay. you the biggest thing that's changed in the world of sales and business is a salesperson has to be a good business person. Right. So you need to know what's going on in the economy. You need to know what's going on with technology and science and all the things that are going to impact your client's business. So you can start sharing with them. There's a gap opening up. You have to change. So I'll give you a quick example. Yeah. Uh, when I come into the airport, there's a giant line of taxis that nobody's getting in right. because we're all going to Uber mm -hmm. and or all, Lyft. Or <laughs> Lyft. And, and the, the, all the taxis have a sign that says, we have an app. Mm. Yeah, a little late. Yeah. <laughs> you got the app a little bit late. They could have organized black cars. Okay. Nobody was better prepared to organize black cars. Right. Airbnb is now the largest hotel, hotel chain in the world with right. no hotels. Okay, but yeah. Marriott could have done that. Hilton could have right. done it. Somebody else could have done it. So your client just waits, and as long as things are going well, they continue to do what they're doing. And when you talk about starting that conversa conversation, excuse me, you say there's four levels of value, but I found it interesting because you talk about starting a new relationship at the highest level. And yeah. I thought that was kind of curious because you're trying to win, right? New, right. <laughs> new right. clients. So I would imagine you want to ease into it, but you say start at level four. So I wanted you to try to explain that to us. What is level four and how do the other three I, levels factor? I, I'll do that in the quickest way because okay. it's really, really important. And it's what most sales organizations and salespeople do wrong. They want to start with their product or their company. Right. And that's level one value. So the product has to work. It's great to have a good product but it's the lowest level of value and the easiest to commoditize. Hmm. So I, I picked up the iPhone 10s Max. 
there was a line of people waiting to buy it at Apple, but other than that, nobody else has a line in front of their store. Yeah. That's it. That's the only people that have been able to do this. But the product's good, but Samsung's got a good product. Other people have good products too. So when you show up and you say, I have a good product, people are like, yeah, we already have a good product. Right. So the second level is a good experience, which is, are you easy to do business with? That's a little bit better. It's really good for Starbucks. They try really hard to have you a good experience so they can charge you $5 for a cup of coffee. Yeah. And we all pay it. And we all pay it. Gladly. <laughs> I find amazing. I, I never miss it. a day. Right. Yeah. I know. And the third level of value is can you get me results, tangible results? Can right. you prove that there's an ROI? All of those are important. But the fourth says, can you help guide my business to the future? Are you the one that can give me advice? And when you show up in your level one, immediately people say, oh, you're a commodity. I'll send you to my purchasing department. Right. I'll let them give you an RFP. You give me the lowest price. Right. And I'll do business with you. Okay. C-Suite Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, you know, you talk about this idea of, you know, you are the value proposition, yeah. which kind of ties into that. So, so how do you do that? Though? I mean, it's, yeah. easy, it's easy to say, oh, you know, let me call you and let me, you know, you guys said you have to gain trust, but how do you gain trust when let's say the client is happy with their current, you know, relationship that exists? They, they believe they are happy with right. the current relationship that exists for sure. They're not waking up going like, I hope a salesperson calls me so <laughs> right. I can switch unless they're in real pain and then they're already looking exactly. at it. Exactly. So it is about capturing mindshare. So you have to know things and we call it business acumen, right. situational knowledge. You have to be somebody that can do that. And getting that first commitment for time is probably the most difficult part. Right. And so a, a lot of what the book lays out is a structure for how do you make that pursuit plan because you can't just call once a quarter yeah. and expect somebody to say, okay, I'll meet with you. Right. You need to give them more than that. So you're trading value for time. Time is the single finite non-renewable resource any of us have. Yeah. So I'm not giving it to you unless you're going to make it worth my while. So you better know something that's worth my while when you show up. No, it's true. And you, know, you, t- you mentioned this, you know, capturing mindshare and kind of swapping the lens through which yeah. the client views their, you know, the, their world. So how do you do that? I mean, it's, it's sort of like you have to be one step ahead of them. So tell us about that shift and, and how do you introduce that, introduce them rather to that new lens and, and what makes them say, okay, you know, let me look through it. You do have to be one step ahead of them yeah. because we're back to the trusted advisor. How can right. you advise if I already know everything that you know. Right. I mean, I only need you to advise me if you know something I don't. Bingo, right. And the thing that I think concerns salespeople is they say, uh, they know their business better than I do. Of course they do. But the intersection of their business and your business and your industry and where you help other people, you're working with hundreds or thousands of clients so you know way more than they know about how to get the results buying what you sell. Right. So that's the area where you're going to over-index and you're going to have more knowledge than they do. Right. So what you really want to do is the lens idea is they're looking through a lens that's all their experiences and things that they've been taught by the sales organization they're working with now, all their biases. And you literally have to try to move that lens out of the way and right. say, no, nope, look at it through this lens. Right. So I'll just give you a quick example. I came out of temporary staffing. Is that your family business? Yeah, you and right. totally commoditized business. Mm. I mean, in some markets, there's 600 people that look exactly like you. Wow. But some of the things that I know 
are something like 11,000 baby boomers are retiring every day in the United States. So that would mean to backfill those jobs, you need 358,000 people to go to work. And we're putting about 220,000 people to work. So there's this massive gap opening up. So the question is, where are you going to get the people? And are you going to accept somebody who's got a giant beard that looks like a lumberjack and a man bun? you know, in your accounting department Mm -hmm. now, because that's what millennials look like. And they've got nice beard oil and you're like, yeah, but they have these tattoos. It's like, well, it's a different generation. So how are you going to do this? Where are you going to find them? How are you going to skill them up when they don't have this? But that's an insight that I can share to start giving you a lens where you're like, wait, I didn't know that many people were retiring. I don't know where I'm going to find these people. Okay. Now I can step in and start advising. Right. Those kind of numbers and statistics, which yeah, people, facts, facts, figures, people, you know, they don't know everything. So you're coming in and saying, hey, look at this interesting statistic, which is going to affect you. And it's your job to be aware of the things that they're not aware of. Right. Because that gives you the chance to advise. Right. Because you talk about like this this shift of, you know, help the client discover something new about themselves. Right. Just curious, though, Anthony, pushback, that statistic you just gave me. What happens when you, you know, you spew that information? They go, yeah, I know that. What else do you have? Oh, I got tons. Of you know, more. does that happen a lot where they're no. saying, okay, no. And, and, you know, honestly, you, you shouldn't walk in and say this person's so dumb. They know nothing. I have to teach them everything. No. You show up thinking they have opinions and you're going to get inf- information from them and they're going to get information from you. So you don't have to have a monopoly on the knowledge. And when people have egos and we do in business, sometimes you need to be able to say to that person, let's, I want to share these ideas with you. Right. I know you're probably tracking many of these yourself and I'd love to get your input on it right. so that they don't have to feel like you're showing up and pretending they don't know anything. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because you talk about sales as it's one part opportunity creation, but the other part opportunity capture. Yeah. What's the distinction between those two concepts? A lot of salespeople don't prospect and they don't go out and do the creation part. Okay. Okay. So they don't do that. They like the capture part, Okay. but it turns out that the creation part happens before the capture part. So they like all the meetings after that, but getting the meeting is the hardest part now. Right. Okay. And mostly it's because we're not trading enough value. But if you say, I have an executive briefing, I'm going to share something with you over 20 minutes and I'm going to leave you with questions for your management team to answer. Uh, they're interested in that. Like, yeah. okay, what is it that you know that I should be thinking about? Yeah. Leave them wanting more. Now you're interesting. For sure. Um, I just thought it was interesting as I, as I was reading this book and then, and then you actually mentioned it. Um, how do you prevent what you outline in this book from happening to you? That's, that's a really <laughs> this firewall. You know, you gave away all the secrets, but you don't want this to happen to you. So how do I build a firewall to prevent all of your secrets from happening to me? That's the interesting part is that we don't remember that while we're out calling on our competitors, best clients, they're doing the same thing to us. Right. And I've got a bunch of stories in the book, including one that sent a note to every executive leader in the company that I was working with saying, I'll save you $500,000 next year. I have no control over that, but they're working really hard to take it away from me. You have to create new value. So the first thing is you can't just rest on your laurels. You've done good work. Now you need to do even better work. You need to guide the client to the next future and the next future and the next future. Somebody else is going to do that for you. Right. You need quarterly business reviews where you can go back and share with them. Here's how we're tracking. Here's what we're doing really good. Here's where we still need some work. Here's what comes next for us in the relationship. So you have to work very hard and you have to maintain the relationships. Right. All of the above. Well, the book's terrific. And again, we said uh, this is number three. We look forward to the next two, which are in process. Yes. You're a very busy guy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony, for being with us. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website at csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.